We're here to have fun. It's having fun time. If you're not looking to have fun, go someplace else. Read a book. Books are boring. Not us. I'm reading not a great book that I bought in a county museum in Ohio about a vaudeville girl who disappeared. That's what the cover says, but then it turns out really her career just ended when she was like four. You're not going to judge that book by the cover, are you? I did. That's why I bought it. Bad idea. It's the one thing you're not supposed to do. You know why. Because book covers have nothing to do with the books they're of. Not good covers. <laughs> good covers are accurate. <laughs> if Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's Mad About, mad about, mad about You. Welcome to our podcast. Good covers are accurate. It's true, Hi, everybody. though. It, no, you're right. Otherwise, why would anyone market anything ever? It's a big fallacy that you can't judge a book by its cover. Right. Frankly, you have to. What they should say is don't judge a person by how they look. Yes. Because that's the only time anyone even uses that phrase. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The touchstone should be don't judge people by their appearances. Yeah. And then you could say that if someone says, oh, that book looks stupid, you could say, hey, hey don't judge don't people judge by, their by their appearances. <laughs> like, you're right. You're right. I should judge books more like the way I judge people. You're yeah. absolutely right. You're a saint with the people. This is worthwhile. Have you ever seen that <laughs> clip of Dustin Hoffman where he starts crying talking about Tootsie? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And how he used to not... There was some woman that he found unattractive that he didn't talk to at a party, and then he felt bad about it. It's... How badly can one person miss the point of a life, <laughs> is Dustin Hoffman in that interview. Of a life? Yeah. Just, like, everything that he's trying to do by what he's saying, he does the opposite. I don't... I disagree. You shouldn't. You should agree with me. I don't. You're lost, pal. Well, I think he's being very genuine, and I think those are very real feelings that people have. I think he may be genuine, but it's just like, it's a weird thing to be genuine about, where he's like, I used to treat people like garbage, and I see people being treated like garbage all the time, but I wasn't able to be empathetic until I put myself literally in that position. Well, I would argue that that's pretty much how everyone behaves about everything, including you and me. Not That's me. people, baby. No, I can imagine everything perfectly. <laughs> I think it's brave to be that open. I didn't know he was a creep at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot he was I a creep. I wonder if he learned... Yeah, when was he a creep? I'm trying to remember. Very recently. This clip is like so, yeah. 15 years old, at least. Yes, the clip is 15 years old of him being like, I didn't know how hard it was to be a woman yeah. until I dressed like an ugly one and I got treated... Terribly, and so it made me empathetic. Quiet down, toots. You over there, uh, sweet ass. I'm not talking to you right now, okay? <laughs> I see what you're doing. You're being him but off seriously, camera. Seriously, gotcha. it is very, very <laughs> sad the way that people treat women. Like this broad over here <laughs> with the you're knockers right. that are gorgeous, and she flaunts them at me, and I treated her, I used to treat her like a piece of meat. This meat person. I used to treat her like a piece of meat. <laughs> I think and we get the I, point. I think no, I, we I got, got a lot it. more it's, of this. It's pretty clear. <laughs> it's very effectively done. If you didn't get it, tweet well, at Russ and he'll explain it to you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone got it. He's calling Justin Hoffman a hypocrite. 
<laughs> and this is the hypocrite show, aka Mad About Mad About. Tell you. them what it really is. You're Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader, and I'm Jonathan Marbley. You keep on doing that full name. I love it every time, and I forget that we're classing ourselves up. That's the only reason I do it. It sounds great. It sounds fun to surprise. <laughs> You're well, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gearing up to go to an after-midnight movie for the first time in 20 years. That's happening tonight? Well, Black Klansman came out tonight. Sure. And I've never seen a Spike Lee movie in the theaters, to be honest. Spike Lee movie. Spike Lee movie. Oh, you mean joints? Uh, yes, Russ, a joint. I've never seen a Spike Lee joint in a movie theater. In a movie joint. <laughs> a joint theater. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds like fun. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to make it to this 1230 screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, pal. I want this guy to have a great opening weekend. I've heard great things about it's this movie. very exciting. Yeah, pretty cool. He's back, baby. He's back. Where's the movie? Chelsea. Okay. In England. Cool. Yeah. Oh, you got to hurry. Yeah, I know. So let's move this along. <laughs> so let's do it. What are we recapping? This is episode 59 of Mad About, Mad About You. Whew. And we are talking about season three, episode 13 of Mad About You, titled Mad About You, part one. A titular episode title. Indeed. Finally. We finally got, yeah, this is... The first of at least two. Yes. This <laughs> is a two-parter. We're only doing part one right now. Even though they both aired on the same night, you said? Is that correct? They did. They both aired on February 2nd, 1995. What a gift. We're splitting it up. What a gift for those people. Yeah, they got to... What, what a gift for those people. You beloved Rise Guys and Rise Gals, don't get such a gift. You get to wait a couple of weeks yeah. before we <laughs> yeah, cover the Yeah, you get the, the opposite. You get <laughs> what a slap in the face to yeah, you Yeah, eat your gruel and shut up. <laughs> What did TV Guide have to say about this episode? Maybe you want to read only the first half of the review and we'll read the second half. <laughs> I wonder, is... There must be a... Re no, we'll cover that next week. I didn't even bother to look. Oh, okay, great. What the summary of part two is. Did they split it up? I don't know. I mean, this works either way. Okay, what's it say? A flashback to the months before Jamie and Paul's wedding finds them being showered with help. I'll bet it's just the one. And the help is in quotes. Ah, you think they're talking about the movie that hadn't come out yet at the time. No, no, it just says help. If it said the help, then I would agree sure. with you. But Do you think they're talking about the Beatles album from many years prior? No, because they use a period instead of an exclamation point. Okay, well, I guess that cracks it. Yeah. Ever hear of Occam's Razor? <laughs> this is now the second or third time that I have been in conversations involving Occam's Razor in the past week. That's too much. Wow. Yeah. I'm not smart enough for that to be the case. Oh, well, the only reason any of us know about it is because we all watch Contact. Uh, not me. That's why you Never don't know about it. it. That's why I don't know. Do you know about it? Uh, about Occam's Razor? Outside of the conversations you've had with people? Yeah. It wasn't them bringing it up to me and introducing the concept to me. Where'd you learn? I don't know. I think just living in the world. Mm, I think if we were to trace that, it would go back to contact. It would go back to contact? Yeah, they, they, po they popularized it. Sure. Okay. I didn't know we're razors gonna... were even maxims. Like, that's not even a... You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of razors. But they don't call them, nobody calls it a razor. I don't know why that one's even called a razor. <laughs> right? You, know what, yeah, I'm a, you know what I'm a big fan of? What's your favorite part of Occam? Occam's riser. <laughs> oh my God. The most finicky option is likely the correct one. Is like <laughs> That's amazing. 
That is a job incredibly well done, Jonathan Marbley. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, let's see. Yeah, so what are we doing? You do pop culture, basically, right? That's I'll your talk beats? about something. Yeah, 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 why not? So, I kind of based mine on what they t- get into a little bit in the actual episode. And forgive me if we've already talked about it, John. We may have talked about it on the show before. Well, Have I... we touched on Saved by the Bell on this podcast? I don't think so, really. I think I remember comparing the intro sequence to Moms to the Saved by the Bell one, maybe. That rings a bell, but that's it. Okay. So, yeah. Save, yeah. I was hoping you were going to talk about Saved by the Bell because of this episode. Yeah. I don't have a whole heck of a lot of notes on it, but I did watch the show very religiously. Same. But actually, you know, religiously is not the right... It was just, like Paul says, it was just always on. Oh. Were you like a Saturday morning, gotta watch this show, or like... Well, gotta we get had moved by down? then. Yeah. And in the summers, I think I've talked about this, my grandparents would buy me a series of blank tapes. Yeah, and they just fill them. And I would fill them, and I yeah. would always, because TBS had two episodes on back-to-back every day, Right. and I would fill the tapes, and I would watch yeah. the same, like, six Saved by the Bell episodes, because I was filling with a lot of stuff, you know. Sure. Same episodes all year. Yeah. And two of those episodes included the beach episodes. Those are great. Featuring Ernie Sabella and, Ernie Sabella. Uh, what's your name? Scientology. Leah Remini. Leah Remini. And I had a crush on her and an actor crush. I knew Ernie Sabella before Lion King. Yes, absolutely. I didn't even connect the dots in Lion King. (laughs) And then I saw him play What's-His-Name in Chicago, Amos, on Broadway, my first Broadway show. Big Ernie Sabella fan. All because of Saved Saved by the Bell. Mad about you's own Ernie Sabella. Indeed. Wait, what? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's in that episode. right. Hey, he loves the track when he's... (laughs) <laughs> when he's not running a beach club, he loves the track. <laughs> he loves the track. Yeah, yeah. it was always on. Did you... That thing went into syndication, like, immediately. Yeah, absolutely. It started off as Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Yeah, those were always a little weird. They were weird. Unless you found it when it was on, on. Before this high school ones existed, I could see it not being weird. But once you know there's high school episodes, it's very right. weird. As you may or may not know, listeners, Good Morning, Miss Bliss was when the kids were in, the kids of, I think it was John F. Kennedy Middle School in Indiana, and it was Zach, and it was Screech, and it was Lisa Turtle, and they were all taught by Haley Mills from The Parent Trap. That's who Miss Bliss is? Yes, and that was the show for at least one season, maybe two. Yeah, right. And Dennis Haskins, Mr. Belding, was still the principal there. Right. And then, as always happens, three of those kids from that class and the principal all moved to California at the same time and went to the same school in California, Bayside High. Well, his wife and their parents all worked for the same. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Tesla. Tesla was getting going. (laughs) Absolutely. So that predates Say by the Bell proper. Right. Yeah, and Saved by the Bell was always on. Did you ever think that it was good? I don't know what that means. Did you think it was good television? I mean, yeah. You liked watching it. But it was what it was. It wasn't, it's not The Sopranos. Like, you know what I mean? I do. It's well executed. It achieves what it's going for, I think. I feel like Saved by the Bell, more than any other show that I can think of, is something that was, like, that show was on in the background for me. Ugh. That's why Forever. You, That's why you don't appreciate it. I love it. Like okay. I love it now, but 
but I don't think I ever watched it and was just like, this is a good show. I'd always watch it just compulsively, like Paul does. That's what it is. Right, right. It's just compulsive, where it's just like, it's always on. I feel like I should watch it. And when I do, it's somehow comforting. But I was never like, this it's is great. very comforting. It's this very strange thing with this show. I don't think so. I have a very normal relationship with it. I'm sorry you don't. <laughs> There's the famous, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm yeah, so scared Yeah, yeah, I didn't love that scene. Right, like, do you think that at any point, anyone watched that and was just like, wow, that was really powerful. That, uh, that did it for me. A little. I mean, were you in maybe. high school where people were very competitive about colleges? Probably, maybe. You would I remember. Know, I don't know about very I was. Yeah? Very competitive. When everyone found out and, I was going to a public school, it was, you know, a small thing for a second. Wow. Yeah. So that resonated with you, this scene? Well, of, of I mean, having... I didn't do drugs, but I'm just saying <laughs> I could see it resonating with someone. Sure. Okay. A little. It's over the top. I agree. They went, you know, they pushed it. On the other hand, they became part of an eternal TV-like zeitgeist, so... That's very true. Did you watch any of Saved by the Bell? There are two offsprings, that's the wrong word of Saved by the Bell that I wanted to touch on briefly. Sure. The college years? Did you years? watch... Yes. And then the Hawaii? Well, no, not even Hawaii. Did you oh. watch the college years, first of all? Not really. A little. If I, I liked it. I basically I watched whatever was on in the summer that sure. I could grab. Okay. Oh, that's right. So even the after bulk the bulk was high school. Sure. Yeah. It was fine. It was fun. I feel like it gets a bad rap, but I also feel like maybe if I watch it now, I'd say this is just plain terrible. Well, yeah, because it's like you lose a bunch like, of characters and stuff. Yeah, they lose characters, and they went prime time. So it stinks. Yeah. Speaking of things stinking, when you lose a bunch of characters, did you ever watch any of Saved by the Bell, the new class? I saw ones I was flipping in the aughts, and it was on. Yeah. And I thought, what's this? And then I saw Screech as a grown man playing the gym coach. Yeah. And then I was like, please tell me Mr. Belding's still in this, and he was. He is. And it killed me. Yeah, Screech played Mr. Belding's assistant. How long do you think that show was on? Say by the Bell, the new class. Four years. Show was on for, for... one week. <laughs> yeah, right? I was just... Because in my head, I'm like, oh, they did that thing, and it was on for, like, a season, and all they did was rip off the old show, and it was right. terrible. I can see Elastic, because it's new people. The show was on for seven seasons. Whoa! They made 143 episodes. Oh, my gosh! Of... Basically doing exactly the same thing they didn't say. That is an evergreen premise if I ever heard one. Isn't it something? Yeah, it makes sense, though. It's a new audience. It's a new audience, but it's also so funny how they were like, new audience, same thing, though, right? And the way that they yeah. were like, we'll do the same thing, but also so much of what made that show work was the casting. Of course, like any show. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's just like, we got lightning in a bottle here with these kids and these characters. Yes, just the sort of thing. It's a mega hit. It works because of who we've got and what they're doing together. That's part of okay, it. Okay, now they're too old. Time to recreate it. Yeah, Let's but... Let's recreate magic. The archetypes are also very good. You can. Clearly you can, because they did. The archetypes are simple and clear. Episodes. It's like Archie comics. Sure. You know what? You're not wrong. I know. Let me ask you. That's why there's no ambivalence in my voice. <laughs> I feel very confident yeah. in the correct I know I'm right. Saying. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Please, I'll answer it. How many novelizations were there of Saved by the Bell, oh, the new class? Dear. 40? Thank goodness you overshot it, but not by as much as it should be, because there were 10. Oh. Oh, that's not much. Okay, that failed. 
<laughs> such wonderful titles as Trouble Ahead. Were they written by Franklin W. Dixon? I don't know who that is. Oh, that was the pen name for the Hardy Boys author. Oh, that's funny. That guy wrote those books for like a hundred years. <laughs> it seems that they were all written by Beth Cruz. Hey. The first five books in the series focus on the first season cast, and the last five books feature the second season Why cast. Why do they say cast instead of like characters? That's a great point. No one's like, Mark Paul Gosselier comes yeah, in maybe, as maybe Zach it is. and says... Maybe it is. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe you read it and they're just like, then Lark Voorhees got upset. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, so Saved by the Bell. It was weird to have this show reference that show. We'll get to that. Yes, we certainly will. It's weird anytime a show, a fake show, references a real show that's actively on TV. And the fact that they kept on just playing the theme... Oh, sure. I mean, that's a good touch. Well, because everyone knows but, uh, the theme. Sure. And you know what? Hey, it's all on NBC. That's some good synergy. Oh, it was. That's right. Wouldn't it have been great if on Say by the Bell, Zach just said oh. to Slater, just like, boy, oh, boy. If Slater says to Jack, she's like, you know, you and Kelly Kapowski, you got a real Paul and Jamie <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> He'd kill himself in that episode. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Say by the Bell. Who doesn't love it? Nobody. Nobody doesn't. Except for me, back in the day, when it was just always kind of on. Indeed. What's doing with you, buddy boy? Well, I took a look at uh, all sorts of things this week. Mm -hmm. was going to talk about space for a long time. Okay. But not anymore. But I'll touch on it. On the day this episode aired, the Discovery went on a mission. The space shuttle oh, wow. Discovery. It had already been that? on several missions before, but on this day, it launched again, being piloted by Eileen Collins. Does that name ring a bell? It does not. The first female commander of a space shuttle. How cool. Yeah. Now, that didn't happen on this mission. This mission she piloted. Okay. The, I think the next mission she became the commander. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that something? Oh, and yeah, get this. I love it. The commander on this flight, James yep. Weatherby, a.k.a. Mr. Weatherby. Mr. <laughs> lots and lots of Archie <laughs> stuff today. <laughs> and it just felt relevant. Archie's razor. Because in the <laughs> era... <laughs> Reggie's razor. Re I don't know if you've been watching the news, but they've been talking a lot about uh, Space Wars now. Yes. Yeah. Space Force. Yeah, the Space Force, right. It sounded like you said Vors, like Wars with a V. I gotcha. <laughs> this nope. was a mission to, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a space station Mir. It's probably still up there, right? Yeah, yeah, the Russian space station. Yeah, and we were going to help them. Yes. Space has always been peaceful. Sure. I implore... The administration and the Pentagon <laughs> to now consider we're gonna, this. We're going to spend billions of dollars to make sure that nobody attacks us from space. I Have was you seen Geostorm? It can happen. It's so insane. It's like, because you know, we got to the moon, but it, it wasn't easy. No. We can barely walk in space. Yes. We can barely go and stay for a while. And they're talking about bringing weapons. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Because you don't do weapons till you're, like, comfortable in a room. You know what I mean? Yes. A few years ago, they were like, uh, NASA's not going to make any more manned shuttle yeah. launches. Right? Yeah. Just like, sorry, we neither have the money nor the incentive right now to make this a priority. And that's disappointing. And then in comes this guy, and he's like, we're going to fight him! Yeah. <laughs> we got to protect this thing that is empty! We're going to find life and kill it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Another little uh, fun thing, this past weekend, this past Sunday, mm -hmm. Sunday before the episode aired, the 49ers won the Super Bowl. Hey, how about that? You remember that against, one? 
Let's see, 95 49ers. Was that against the San Diego Chargers? Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I remember that one. I just remember it was San Francisco versus San Diego, so that's how that happened. You're going to be a and lot of fun at a dinner table in 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco demolished them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was a good team. I am impressed. Clearly. Yeah, Steve Young threw for a bajillion yards, and Deion Sanders had an interception or two. And yeah, it was a uh, Jerry Rice. You remember Rice was plays? Yeah. I mean, or are you yeah, just saying things I, that probably happened? Oh, uh, I mean, those were true of then, every game they played. Then, then you, we can't forget that San Diego. They, they snapped had a few the ball, fumbles. They rushed. <laughs> yeah. There were passes. A lot of incomplete I'm passes. Pretty though. sure the game was broken up into four quarters. It was really something. It was a thing to see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a story for you. A news story. In the middle of the game? I think they get just the they point. They stopped playing, and, and, <laughs> ah, and okay. there was this big concert. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I wonder who played. That's your job. <laughs> That's true. Dateline. Go ahead. Women and children first? For more That's than half work. a century, two brothers have begged to differ. First things first. Michael Caton remembers how cold it was when he by... Oh, wow, I don't know how to say this word. Bivouacked? What is it? Bivouacked? B-I-V-O-U-A-C-K-E-D. I've never heard that. Tell you what, that's going in the diction, mammy. Yeah, hell yeah. 100%. That word means stay in a temporary camp without cover. Wow, it is news to me. Bivouac. No, no, wait. A long line over the vowel means you say the vowel, like O? Yes, it is a long, yes. Bivoac. Bivoac. Bivo, okay, fine. I don't know where the accent is. Leave me alone. Outside the Lincoln Tunnel for four days and four numbing winter nights, the macaroni and coffee he had brought along froze. Someone shook his hand and said it felt like an icicle. It was 1945, and Mr. Caton's goal was to be the first motorist to pay a toll when the new north tube of the tunnel opened. <laughs> After all... He and his brothers say that they separately or together, say that separately or together, they were the first at hundreds of things. Mr. First and Mr. Second. The Bronx-born brothers' exploits have been widely documented over the years in newspaper and magazine articles, now yellowed with age. They stake their claims in such headline-catching events as being the first to fly into Idlewild Airport. Mr. Caton's brother, Omero C. Caton, but spelled differently, which is interesting. Interesting. Now 80 was the first to buy a token on the 8th Avenue subway in 1932. The first to put a coin in a New York City parking meter in 1951. <laughs> and the first to skate across the rink at Rockefeller Center on Christmas Day, 1936. He was also the first to drive over the Tappan Zee Bridge <laughs> in 1955. Mr. This is unbelievable. His last first was, op was the opening of Interstate 595 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the retired sports concession executive now, oh, executive, now lives. And his brother, an 82-year-old retired mechanic who lives in Margate, Florida, he was Likes the to be the last to do things. <laughs> yeah. He kills everyone in line behind him right after he goes. <laughs> he was the first passenger on the Metro Rail in Miami. Oh, brother. Today he plans to mark the... F That's why there's stories here. I see. He plans to mark the 50th anniversary of his Lincoln Tunnel opening by driving right through. Wow. That's really wild. What an insane hobby. I like it. I like it a lot. It At seems first I was so make fun, hard. But I'm like, that's really, that's pretty neat. Mr. Caton said he never had any desire to beat Neil Armstrong to the moon. 
I was just going to say, speaking of space, that guy must hate Neil Armstrong. But this is interesting. He said, no thank you. He said, I don't have that kind of nerve. But flying to Paris ahead of Charles Lindbergh? That would have been great. And then he yeah, has he the really nerve to... Out, didn't he? he follows it up with, that's unique. That... <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, you got the nerve, I think. You got plenty yeah. of nerve, pal. <laughs> Being first so many times to careful planning and help from officials. Who arrange for a close-up parking space here or a motorcycle escort there... But after leading the way on everything from the Massachusetts Turnpike to the major Deegan Expressway to the Florida Turnpike, he can no longer remember the first of what he reckons to be his 573 firsts. Wow. Oh, Idlewild Airport is now JFK. Huh. I didn't know that. Me neither. That makes sense. Sure. There's a tiny Idlewild Airport somewhere deep in L.A., and when I finally learned about it, I was like, oh, that's what all those old things are referencing. But this makes more sense. There you go. Yeah. The pilot, oh, nah, it doesn't matter. You get the gist. I do. But then That's really neat. So this is, uh, so then I saw this story, though. Not story. So I found a photo of them right before they crossed the, uh, right before he crossed the Lincoln Tunnel. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a little, (laughs) there's a little news, or like a little blurb next to it. Yeah. Caton is seen dressed in suit plus overcoat, sitting in the passenger side running board and drinking coffee from a thermos and eating... A hero. A picnic bat, blah, 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 blah. As it turned out, (laughs) he was not the first to pay a toll. (laughs) They were on the New Jersey side. 50 cents. Oh, wait. Forgive me. I misread. But it's still bad. As it turns out, he was the first to pay a toll. Okay. But he was not the first through. (laughs) Oh. A George Horn coming from the New York side reputedly beat him by a minute. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? I didn't realize this story was going to turn out to be a tragedy. Yeah. So, their claim to fame? Illegitimate. Nothing. That's why we don't know his name. That's why we remember Lindbergh, and we have no idea who this and the, guy is. And, of course, that's why everyone remembers George Horn. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> I think about him every time I hung a horn. Yeah. <laughs> So, in the spirit of uh, these two brothers who have differently spelled last names, let's mm-hmm. be the first to discuss this episode on a podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. Before we do that, halftime show for that Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. It was titled Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. What? And was produced by Disney to promote their Indiana Jones adventure. <gasps> the ride? At Disneyland. I love that ride. That opened later that year. Featured actors playing Indiana Jones and his girlfriend, Marion Ravenwood, who were raiding the Vince Lombardi Trophy from the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. The show also had performances by singers Tony Bennett and Patti LaBelle. Yeah, I would hope so. Jazz trumpeter Arturo Sandoval and the Miami Sound Machine. The show ended with everybody singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight, the song featured in Disney's oh, wow. 1994 film The Lion King. Sure. That's so a- that was halftime. That's a great recovery by Disney. Right? That's a real bait and switch. Not bad. To be like, hi, <laughs> this is a big commercial. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. we got a real great closer. Yeah. Everything's on ABC. Right. <laughs> Disney, Disney, Disney. Wow. Yeah. They made a lot of money oh, then. What an empire. And good for them, frankly. Not oh, only do they need I love our them. money. Whoops. <laughs> Not only do they need our money, they need our promotion of us talking about it right now. Yeah. Hey, everyone, reach into your pockets, and if you have a spare dime or quarter or even dollar, throw it towards Disney this Christmas. (laughs) Let's help them out. (laughs) Yes, now. Mad about you time. I pulled uh, the public for opinions on this episode. Yes. We heard from Ezio. 
as I like to call him, Auditore. Hey. He said, I remember really liking this episode. Haven't watched it recently, so I can't give you any details. And then he says the whole Lyle Lovett thing was great, but might be Part including two, stuff friend. from the finale. Yeah, there you go. And he sure is. Big spoiler alert. Lyle spoiler, Lovett Lyle is in Lovett. Part 2. Double spoiler. He's not in Part 1. Well, I don't know if he is. You don't know if he is? I would be shocked if he schlepped all the way in just to stand in the background, but they sure got someone with his haircut to play the keyboardist in the very, very, very far background. That's funny and interesting. The That's haircut's there, at least. That's a good point. I think I would also be surprised. I was looking for it on a rewatch. Interesting. This was who directed... Who directed? Very good, Russ. I'm on it. David Steinberg, Jewish Steve Martin. Hey. And it was written by Danny Jacobson and Jeffrey Cleric. I like that Danny came back. Oh, I love a Danny Jacobson episode. We get yeah. a lot of real good old Jewish kind of vaudeville jokes. <laughs> sure, for sure. I love the cold open. I know we're not doing the in order thing, but I loved it. No, cold open is great. Did you? We should definitely talk about it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. There were some very funny jokes. Do you have to deal with this, like the throwing away of things? In Everyone your does, Russ. That's why it's on the show. Is it a conversation, though? Yeah, it's less of a negotiation. I'm definitely Paul in this case. Right. Because Which I got from my mother, which is like, just throw it all out. Throw it all out? You haven't touched it in a year, it's gone. What's happening in this scene, folks, is Paul and Jamie are at their freezer, and they are going through it, deciding what things to throw away. So there's a bag, there's a vegetable medley which Paul says arranged by Henry Mancini, which uh, is a great little joke. Uh, Loved it. Uh, I Jamie died. Wants to, yeah. Jamie wants to throw that away. There is a fish, an entire whole fish, in a Ziploc bag that Jamie wants to keep because her dad caught it. Yeah. Throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> you want to throw that one away? Of course. You throw it all out. Throw the wedding throw cake out. out. Throw everything out. Yeah, because then they also have the top of the wedding cake which is three years old at this point, and Paul says we will never eat this. You're supposed to eat it when? One On year in? On the first anniversary. Right, so they blew it. Yeah. They did. They completely blew it. Did it bother you that there was no garbage bag in the trash can? Absolutely, it bothered me. It yeah. bothered Jen, for That's sure. like putting your shoes on the couch. Yes. It's like you animals. What's your plan after the can's full? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, what happens if something breaks? You're oh, God, mud. don't even get me started, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, when that cake starts to melt. Yeah, absolutely. And the veggies go soft. Yeah. This is bad, top to bottom. It's That stressed me out. You're putting a fish. You're putting a fish in there. Well, that's in the bag, at least. It ain't that bagged, my friend. Well, okay. I hate to disagree with you about a thing we agree on, but that's not the worst part of what they're doing. (laughs) So you're a person who just throws away everything, period, the end. I'm as my mother and grandmother... Well, it really is genetic, maybe, or nurture, nature, nurture, a pitcher. A pitcher. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am a hoarder. Maybe. I like to think of it as I know the value of a dollar. Oh, brother. Uh, (laughs) I'm a collector. I'm a... (laughs) Of everything that crossed my path. I have said to Jen that I want to open a restaurant called... It's fine. So, like... What does that mean? It means we're going to sell food. Where it's just like, yeah, so the date on the food passed maybe three days ago. Oh, And Russ. people are going to be like, why don't you throw that away? It's fine. Uh, you might be right. I mean, it depends on the food, I think. But yeah, I mean, those dates are extra safe, obviously. Sure. They put it on there so that you throw things out early to perpetuate the cycle, my friend. Well, yeah. Let me say this. Mm-hmm. If you're 
debating whether or not a few days past the expiration is too long. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you've got pretty good control already over what's in your fridge. This is You're more right. like, oh, this expired eight months ago. That's yeah. a normal fridge cleaning to me. John, that's fine. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> too much. <laughs> you won't know what to do at It's Fine, the restaurant. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going? You're like, I know what to do. Burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving all my money to Disney. <laughs> What'd you like about this episode? Uh, things I loved. I said, Jay... <laughs> now, this is... Cover your kids' ears. Jamie is pretty sexy with a cigarette, and this is definitive proof that smoking is cool. Pretty cool. People look cool with cigarettes, even now. <laughs> Though Christina went, ugh. Yeah, I'm torn on it. I'm 50-50 on whether I like Jamie. I like the idea of Jamie smoking more than I like the reality of Jamie smoking. Oh, I, I like the reality more than the idea, baby. Yeah? Light her up. That's really funny. Yeah, she smokes steadily through this episode. Yeah, and she's so good at it. She's going to give it up any day now. Yeah, she is very good at it. Yeah. But see, what do you think about Jamie's mother smoking? Because that happens later in the episode yeah, when Jamie is a, trying on dresses. Quit. Yeah, she needs to quit. That's terrible. Yeah. It's, not, it's a disgusting habit. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie is in a dress shop wearing her actual wedding dress. I see. With an incomes right. her mother smoking around all these dresses. That didn't occur to me as a problem. It's a huge problem. I guess you're, you're stinking right. Stinking up the stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forget how stinky because there aren't any anywhere anymore. Uh, you know, I forget yeah. what they're like. It's vile. A vile habit. Well I hope that none of our listen, listeners, <laughs> rise guys, rise guys. <laughs> if you smoke, turn this off. No, don't turn it off. But <laughs> Thank you for listening, and please keep listening, and please stop smoking. It'll be better. If you smoke, you tell everyone that's out there smoking with you about the yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you're outside having a butt right now with a couple of friends, yeah, listen. If we could get Philip Morris on, as a sponsor, that would be a dream come true. <laughs> American Spirits, let's do it. American Spirits, Marlboro, oh cool. Let's come on in. Water's warm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I liked about this episode. Yeah, give me one. I liked a specific line of Paul's early on where uh, Jamie's getting ready to leave. He asks where she's going. She's going to get bridesmaids dresses. She says, I already told you this three times. And Paul says, yeah, but now that I ask, I'll actually listen. Yes, that was so real. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Jen also thought, whoa. This innocuous joke is so yes. cutting to the core and realistic. and uh, It's a brilliant observation. It is, yes. Yeah, I will not remember a thing unless it came from me. Right, unless I initiated. Yeah. I have no idea what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's people. It's really pretty stellar. So, Paul, do we need it to... It's clear what happens in this episode, right? We have flashed back in this episode... To January of 1992. Two. Yes. Which is three months before Paul and Jamie get married. Correct. And so this is just like a series of scenes that are all wedding prep related. Yes. The main plot, I'd say, is getting the invitations mailed. Yes. But you got invitations wedding dresses. And wedding you got bands, dresses and everything. you got the band. Yeah, yeah. They've got to get those big things handled. Alongside with the invitations is the guest list. The guest list is growing. Yes, of course. Yes. They wanted it to be around 80 people, then it hovers around 87. Which and is small, we, I feel like. 
For these two, absolutely. Right? They are social butterflies. They know a lot of people and they have big families with a lot of, they have families yeah, that- Yeah, their families are with, so big. Yeah. Like yes. they reference, they have so many aunts and uncles. They have a ton of aunts and uncles and they have something about like Sylvia in their life where it's just like, Sylvia is going to be oh, like, yeah. well, my friends need to be there. Right. And also just everybody else who I come across. Yeah. The list should have been larger than 80. They are getting away lucky. That's true. Yeah, so that's what happens in this episode is we are prepping for the wedding. The whole episode has the vibe of like first half of Father of the Bride. Yeah. To me. Yeah, you know, it's that buzz, that energy. Yeah. Wedding prep is exciting on TV. It's true. We get to see some old favorites in this episode. I, okay, so uh, Mark and Fran appear. Yep. And I practically screamed when Mark, and that yeah. day, when I, hours before I watched it, I knew I was going to watch it th- last night, and I thought to myself, boy, it's been a while. Wouldn't it be fun if Richard Kind made an appearance tonight? Just completely unexpected. I don't know why I didn't, ex- I didn't expect it. I didn't, I didn't either. I mean, it makes sense, of course, because we're jumping back in time. Yeah, they open the door. And there's Mark and Fran, and they're together, and don't they look so happy? Yeah, oh, yeah, that is a little heartbreaking, how happy. They're happy, they're in their rhythms, they've got their old rhythms That down. must have been fun for them, also. For sure. Having done all the divorce scenes that were so intense, like, a year or two ago, yeah. to now be, like, playing couple again. Yeah, it was really fun. But Mark has this great line that I swear, ah, yeah, yeah. Have you been outside today? It's gorgeous. What a day. These guys played at Mark's cousin's wedding. They're fantastic. Stepbrother, same mother, different father. Talk to my florist. Tomorrow at 10. Talk to my caterer. I left a message. She was using Kiwi when no one used Kiwi. How are you? Invitations. My department. Who do you think turned us on to Hickama? The way he and Fran, the second they walk in, the way they're talking on top of each other. Yep. In unit, like, he's talking about a band. Stepbrothers, mm-hmm. different fathers, same mother. Yep. But then they dive right into the caterer. <laughs> Very funny. And he says she was using Kiwi when no one used Kiwi. When no one used Kiwi. Who's writing those in the writer's room? I don't know. Who's the person? It's, somehow it's not you, which I don't understand someone, because that's straight from the mind of John Marbley. Yeah, sure. True. Someone <laughs> is doing Mark Devenow's food lines. <laughs> they are. It feel, that feels like a Paul Reiser line. I could be wrong. It could or, be. Or whatever, no, it does. It You're feels, right. It feels like Paul. It really does. Who do you think turned us on to Hickama? Ugh. <laughs> the idea that that was something that Paul and Jamie might have been wondering. Yeah. He's the Hickama guy? That he wow. can now answer. <laughs> yeah. We got to have this guy. My goodness. Mr. Hickama. I think it's Mrs. Oh, apologies. You monster. <laughs> what else did you like? I mean, I, if it's not clear already, this is maybe one of my favorite episodes to date. Oh, yeah? Easily. I've never laughed this hard at this show, actually, out loud. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I enjoyed this one on a more mellow scale. There's a lot to like. It's so funny. There's so many just funny, crazy jokes. The performances are terrific. Unbelievable. I'll say most of the performances are terrific. Sylvia is wonderful. Oh, yeah. She's unbelievable. Bert gets about two lines in this episode. What are them? He murders them. Oh, the, They're so great. The shrimp? Yeah. Like a baby's, a baby's foot. foot. <laughs> oh, and then this line about, so they're at the caterers, and they get to the meat. You know, they're tasting all the different foods to decide what they're going to have, and they get to the meat, and they bring out this little bird called a what, a squab? A squab. I've yes. never even heard of that. Oh, no, it's a game bird. They're right. It's like a pigeon. Yeah, I mean, right. So they get into this yeah. whole debate about how much it's like a pigeon. It looks like a pigeon. <laughs> a pigeon? 
Hi. It's got a pigeon-esque quality. What's the difference between this and a pigeon? Pigeon's on a ledge. This is on a plate. I mean, you said you liked squab. I know, but I, I thought it was going to be a little bigger. Why don't you think that? Because it's squab. No, squab. Squab. It opens up in the middle. <sighs> I love Paul's explanation for why he thought it was bigger. Just because the word sounds bigger. <laughs> when he does it, what it are, does. Yeah. Just squab, glob. Like, but Bert's explanation is great. It's so funny. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And he's so confident. Matter of fact about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, that. this is the reason. Yeah, you dumb idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole scene's great. I missed Paul Dooley, but now I like her parents, these new versions now. I'm used to them. I think they're the weakest regulars on the show as far as acting goes. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. think I care much. I don't. And well, here's the thing. I don't think I care much for their performances. I know I don't care for her dad's performance very much. What? I He's like... great. He's okay at best. But also, I mean, look. I'll say this. One pair of parents are the same for the entire run of the show. The other pair of parents bounce around a lot and wind up becoming replaced by Carol Burnett and Carol O'Connor. Yeah, they never were able to, like, hammer down the casting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Because they were I casting think. such in-demand people that they weren't able to rebook them when they needed to. You think that's what it was? You think these two are just like, I've got so much? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. We've both booked Hamlet for the next four years on Broadway. You never know. (laughs) Oh, how about this filthy joke at the very... I didn't even get it the first time. At the beginning? That is dirty, right? It's very dirty. So they're licking envelope. Paul's licking envelope. First scene of the show. Jamie comes in smoking, or about to smoke. And uh, Paul says, if I had two tongues, I'd be the happiest man in the world. And Jamie says, second happiest. That's gross. That's great. That's filthy. (laughs) It's a pretty good one. <laughs> Every now and then, this show will drop such a dirty joke on you. Yeah. I didn't even notice uh, it, though. I didn't even notice it the first time. It's good. Oh, and then this joke, she's picking out, chi- you know, in the same scene, she, like, shows him a catalog with China in it. Yep. Lions with shields? <laughs> it's vines, bougainvillea, and pears. Oh, my. <laughs> Lions, bougainvillea, and pears? Oh, my. Oh. Uh, I love that bit. That made me laugh so hard. Oh, or this one? Why don't we just get Irish band? Yeah, we might, we might. <laughs> okay, now, forget that one. Put it out of your head. Right. I just put sorbet in my ears. I don't remember anything. <laughs> okay, I'll put sorbet in my ears? That's so funny. Uh, I mean, Paul is just in, like, prime Paul mode. Yeah. He has a joke later on. I don't have it flagged. Oh, where are you talking about what's in the fridge? What's in the fridge? What's the, no, I'm kidding. What's in the, yeah, and it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, they didn't throw it out. That's the one thing they didn't throw out. <laughs> this is going to be worth talk- something one day. <laughs> we're talking about what they have in their fridge. They don't have any food. And he says, we've got eggs and batteries. Oh, Russ, I got it. We have eggs and batteries. It's like, a, like an omelet that keeps on running. <laughs> I laughed so hard I had to pause it and Christina looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> you were really in the mood for this episode. I, that's what it, this is my sweet spot when it comes to humor. That's great. These are just very old-fashioned jokes. 
Yes. They're like old-fashioned structures, but very weird takes on them. I loved the what does this say repetition. So what happens in the episode, they get the end of the invitations. They've sealed them all. It's time to mail them. Oh. And then we learn as they are trying on dresses, Jamie has brought an invitation and they look at the invitation. And Jamie's mom points out that they have misspelled the word Sylvia. Yeah. To, as Sylvania. Yeah. And that means that, well, they've got a problem on their hands. I mean, Sylvia's going to haunt her for the rest of her life. Yeah, and so Jamie brings it back to Paul to review. Thank God. What? What does this say? Gus and Teresa Stemple and Bert and Sylvia Buckman request the honor of your presence. What does this say? Gus and Teresa Stemple and Bert and Sylvia Buckman request what the honor. What does this say? <laughs> Gus and Teresa Stemple and Bert and Sylvania Buckman. Oh, God! This is so realistic. Yep. Also, I don't know how he did it, but the way he said, I mailed them, it was so clear that he was just saying that because she told him to say that. Sure. To me, at least. Yeah, I get that. There was some about it. I don't know what it was. I also knew that. Maybe that's it. We just knew that. I think we knew, but also, I mean, we knew because, of course, because that's the way that comedy works. Right. I get, maybe that's it. But yeah, I'm with you. What do we think about this post office guy? I am obsessed with the mailman. I love this I, mailman. Once he appeared in like numerous scenes, I was sad that he wasn't just like the Newman of Mad About You because yes. he's played by he great. Patrick Cronin, who is a resident, a <laughs> lifetime resident artist at Eastern Tennessee University. I knew he looked familiar. Or Tennessee State. <laughs> yeah. So that's what he's doing now. And he has this lovely professional photo on that site. But, he, you know, he's been in, uh, I mean, his bio, over 200 TV shows. Seinfeld, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Hill Street Blues, Home Improvement, yada, yada, yada. He played Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Wait, but I wrote down some other. Oh, here's a weird thing. He married actress Beatrice Colon. I don't know who that is. It is George S. Kaufman's granddaughter. Wow. Yeah. Huh. He married into theater royalty. Yeah, he sure did. And they were married 22 years until she passed away from lung cancer. How about that? Yeah. But how cool did she look when she was smoking, huh? <laughs> That's probably why I married her. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> this guy's performance... So earlier on, Sylvia, or no, uh, Jamie's mom gives her advice. She says, everyone's going to want to give you wedding advice. Don't listen to them. Here's the, the only advice is don't listen to the advice. Right. So it becomes a slightly running thing. Maybe this is the only other time it happens in this episode. But the mailman, so I guess we should backtrack a little. Paul actually mailed the invitations, as we just heard. So yes. they run down to the mailbox. Uh... Paul does a great thing that also killed me and is stupid, but he starts hitting the mailbox like it's a vending machine. Yes. Which makes when no sense. When he grew sense. up, when things weren't working out, you bang it on the side. Killed, and so that's killed me. So the mailman comes up, comes by, and you know, what are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. And he finds out they've had wedding invitations in there. And mm -hmm. he gives them, them marriage advice. Let me give you a piece of advice my father gave to me and his father gave to him. Wear comfortable shoes at the wedding all the time. It's so good. And maybe a little true. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh. That is literally advice that my dad gave to me. Are you serious? Yeah. I've got flat feet, and I've had orthotics, prescription orthotics since I was in middle school. And I it have flat feet. a lot feet. of money. Hey. Supposedly, but I never had to get 
weird shoes. Lucky. Yeah. Well, they're not weird shoes, but they are insoles that I have. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're weird. They're weird. Thanks a lot for making me feel strange on my own podcast. I'm getting bullied alone in my room. But, so, but yeah, I felt bad. They were expensive. And they were going to continue to be expensive forever. Right, And right. my dad was just like, when I was growing up, your grandmother always said to me, you have to take care of your feet. It's the most important thing. And so I did. And you do too. It's important. Wow. So it's fine. We'll make it work. So literally, the same advice that was passed down to this fictional mailman was passed down to me. Wow. That is the most perfect example of something that a kid would roll their eyes at. And an Uh, older person would be like, (laughs) that is 100% true. Totally true. Totally true. And I'm at the age now where I'm like, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) I want you to be like, I'm in the age where I'm caught in, in the middle I'm like, shut up, mom and dad. No, Don't I am. tell me what to do with my feet. But also, oh, comfy shoes sound great. That's what oh. I mean. <laughs> like, I'm not at the level where I feel convicted enough to pass that knowledge on. Sure. That will come when my feet hurt. Until that day. Once again, we're in that empathy cycle where yeah. you need to experience it before you can admit yeah. that it's what we have here advice. is a classic Tootsie Roll. <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center of Dustin Hoffman's inherent misogyny? 50 to 80. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, so what happens with the mailman character in this episode is he reappears later with a package. I guess now he's just their mailman. He's just their guy, yeah. He's coming up. And also he delivers the mail to their door now. Yeah. And he's got this big package and it's a wedding gift. And he's suddenly so involved in the wedding and it's wonderful. Yes. When he says, hire the band yet? Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. <laughs> really good. Oh, and then this gravy. So in the package, there's a gravy boat. And yep. we get this great riff on that as a gift. Yeah. Honey, it's our gravy boat. We wanted a gravy boat? I asked you. Because we never have gravy. We never had a boat. She's right. We use ours all the time. You eat a lot of gravy, do you? Since we got the boat. <laughs> oh. The ins and outs of that are really funny. Since we got the boat, yeah, is another. I had to pause it. It's a beautifully written exchange. Because sure. also calling a gravy boat the boat, the boat, like it's a boat, is. Oh, uh, <laughs> what do you think they named their gravy boat? <laughs> the Oju. <laughs> get a gravy boat with the Oju painted on the side of it now. I feel like something right out of the Fish's Eddie catalog. That's so funny. (laughs) Oh, great, great, great. So, from there, I think we get Ira. Oh, this episode is so good. I'll tell you what's not good. What? Ira's beard. No, but that's, it's a flashback. That's part of the fun. Okay, look. As a fun, oh, look at how bad his beard used to be. Yes, it is fun and enjoyable. That being said, his beard, if I was in 1992 looking at that beard, I'd say, ooh, that's rough. Now you'd say, oh, how do you grow one of those? How do you? <laughs> this is the beard, for those of you who have not seen, it is, um, it is also caught between two worlds in that it is not 
quite a goatee and not a full beard. It goes yeah. to about mid-cheek and covers the bottom of his face and also contains a mustache. I mean, I didn't even notice. Oh, I did, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to marry him. <laughs> oh, so another running part of the story is Paul is trying to secure these cigars for Jamie's dad, yes. who loves cigars. It's a real smoking family. Yes. And Iris, of course, the Kramer of this show, is going to secure right. these cigars for Paul. Yes. And they have a bit of an exchange about the different kinds of cigars that are available. And this is, it's not who's on first. People always misuse that. It's not who's on, just because there's wordplay doesn't mean it's who's on first. But this is like... Okay, everybody. Okay, all of you listeners who were going to say who's on first, back off. What I'll say is we have here a classically misused who's on first situation. <laughs> right, now these are the big ones, right? The old, the old Grandes? Well, no, no, no can do on the Grandes. But he can get Presidentes and Executivos. Executivos are what? Those are the thick ones? Well, they're thicker than the Grandes, but they're shorter than the Robustos. You got the Robustos? <laughs> Only in a Piccolini. Mm. Do you smoke cigars ever? No. When you go into the back of a cigar store, yeah. this is how confusing it is. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. My dad smoked cigars, and I used to go with him to the cigar shop. Oh, wow, that's and a story just, right out of, like... Yeah, I think I might have talked about it I recently, feel like you where, have, yeah. Yeah, where he would go and get a cigar, and I would get Mad Magazine. Yeah, oh, brother. What, did you grow up in yeah. the Wonder Years? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's nice. That's picture perfect. Yeah, I'd get mad or I'd get cracked. Yeah, yeah. that's how... Uh, and was Billy that's... Joel working behind the counter? The... <laughs> Better. Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> hey, I'll give you but a Mad yeah. Magazine if you shoot my wife in the face. <laughs> that's how it went! <laughs> John! <laughs> oh my gosh. Pope. Do you think he just paid Amy Fisher in Mad Magazines? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny girl. Anyway, this is a great bit. The idea of a Robusto Piccolini yeah. is magic. Piccolinis are pretty short. Piccolini is the feminine of Piccolino, which just means tiny or mini. Right. <laughs> and Robustos are big and fat. Big and fat. Yeah. I so. mean, just a riff on cigar sizes, that is my kind of humor, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, Iris thing is all about the like the band. Yes. And Paul Jimmy comes in, she is stressed out from the experience at the the caterer. Yes. And she goes straight to the kitchen to eat a pie. Yeah, she's been stress eating this episode, which will come yes. into play in part two. Yeah, she's been stress eating. She's eating a pie straight out of a box. Straight out of tin. Looks so good. She asks Paul, because Paul was to go to have a tuxedo fitting. And she says, did the tux fit? He says, hard to say. We did it over the phone. <laughs> Jamie says, you did it over the phone? How did that work? And Paul says, he's that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They talk about him earlier. So Paul's yeah. tailor is Antonio, the fastest mm -hmm. tailor in the world. He did a documentary about him. This is another edition of Paul's filmography. Yeah. And the closest thing I could find in real life John, <laughs> is a documentary called Men of the Cloth. Nice play on words there. Great. Which is a film by Vicky Vassilopoulos. Sure. <laughs> a distant cousin of the Webster family. <laughs> and it says a documentary on Italian master tailors. Shout out to all you Vassilopoulos. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the trailer. 
it's very interesting looking, but let me tell you something. This guy is not the fastest guy in the world. This guy is operating real slowly. That's very funny. <laughs> I love watching old Italian men move slowly. I know you do. You ever been to that pizzeria? There's one thing I know about you. Yeah. <laughs> you ever to that pizzeria? No. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. I've never been to any pizzeria. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, pizza is a popular dish in America from, okay. from Italy. And uh, there's, I forget what it's called. It's in deep, deep Brooklyn. Probably like where you live. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sure. Bowels of hell, Brooklyn. Gotcha. Yeah. And wow, I can't believe I forgot what it's called. But it's famous. I think he might have just retired, though. It's just a 90-year-old man who stands behind the counter in his undershirt and makes one pizza at a time. And then like, his, like some younger guy runs the register. And the wait wow. is like 40 minutes for one pizza because oh it's just this guy. Yeah. And everyone says it's the best pizza in New York. And I went. And it's not at no, all. No, of course not. It's a fun experience. Sure. His secret ingredient is he has an oh. oil can that looks like what they used on the Tin Man. Okay. And it's filled with olive oil. And he okay. dumps buckets. <laughs> buckets. When you eat it, there's literally a puddle that you have to contain. Oh. And it's delicious because who eats olive oil in that quantity? It's actually quite good. But what are you, insane? Yeah, I don't want to eat this pizza. I certainly don't want to wait for 40 minutes for it. So the friend I was with wanted to change the topic, and I asked the guy, and he was like, listen, I could tell the old man, but he's not going to do anything. He's not going to hear it. <laughs> so he can either wait another 40 minutes for a new pizza. <laughs> Did you see what you ordered? <laughs> for a second, by the way, I just thought that you said he wanted to change the topic, not topping. So he was like... <laughs> Hey, can we talk about something else, please, John? <laughs> and you were just like, look, I'll talk to the old man about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I asked him for, is there any conversation topic besides yeah. Richard Kind that I could uh, talk <laughs> with my friend? This is my restaurant. I make all the pizzas. I make all the conversation decisions. You talk about what I want you to talk about. If you're not talking about the Paulo Sorvino, get out of here. <laughs> Oh, man. So Paul and Jamie decide to kill two birds with one stone. They trim their invite list a little bit and get the musicians taken care of by hiring Ira to play at their wedding. And I love how they tie that in because that's something we heard about in like, yes. season one. Yes. What We're a big mistake see, it was. Well, season two. Season two. We didn't hear a damn thing about Ira in season one. Oh, that's right. No, yeah. no. I don't know about that, Russ. Oh, we, did we hear him, his name one time? We don't hear his name, I but I feel right. like she might say getting your cousin's band to play at our wedding. You may be right, yes. And this, look, I don't mean to make a big, big deal about it, but I'm like, look, if you can bring, if we're going back to before the wedding, and you can bring Mark back for the show, let's see Selby. Let's get Selby in there. Well, no offense to anyone, but I didn't even realize he was missing. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't care less. I never liked Selby I mean, that look, much. Nobody could care less. Nobody likes Selby. Selby's wholly unimportant. Also, I tried to reach out to the actor who played Selby about being on this podcast a long, long time ago, and he never got back to me. So, yeah. Yeah, you know he what? sucks. Good yeah, riddance. you know what? Good Selby, riddance, Selby sucks. <laughs> the worst part, I can't believe the show managed to survive it with that albatross around their neck. <laughs> it's just a testament to how good the writing is and the performances of the rest of the cast and the crew. That they were able to make it uh, without Selby. Russ, I'm going to say he was probably too busy to respond to a stranger. 
or he just doesn't go on Facebook because nobody does. That's another possibility. <laughs> but yeah, I forgot he was ever a part of the show. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I'll bring him up again later. It would have been nice I'm to bring sure. him back. I feel I mean, He might have yeah. been tied up on something else, though, because I feel like that's why he left, right? Maybe not. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, hey, if the actor was here, we could ask him. There you go. Yeah, so let's assume he just was so bad at acting. Yeah, he can't speak his mind. He's not here. He decided not to show up. So as we all know, the actor who played Selby was in jail <laughs> at this time <laughs> for tax evasion. And picking up prostitutes willy-nilly. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> like Hugh Grant? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Hugh Grant. I love that we needed to tag this. That you need to tag this with a celebrity. <laughs> like we... Wait, what do you mean prostitute? <laughs> Can you name one person to help me crystallize this? Oh, Hugh Grant. Yeah, I yeah, gotcha. Great. Oh my gosh. What else? So we go, once Ira decides to do it, we go to a concert. band that That's night. That's right. They've got a gig upstate in prison. It's, uh, that establishing shot is so funny. It's pretty fun. Yeah, because Paul is playing coy. He's, oh, it's upstate. Yeah, right. Upstate, and then they kind of slow fade to the exterior of a Prison. penitentiary. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's some kind of conjugal dance. Yeah, it's people of all ages. Yeah, it's like an old fashioned. It looks like we watched it on Leave It to Beaver or something. It's like yeah, a dance. They're playing old yeah. fashioned music. When I was in high school, they had the senior citizens prom once a year. Ah, which is really sweet. And yeah, all senior citizens would be invited to the high school to have a prom. And once or twice, I DJ'd it, which was fun. You what? I DJ'd it. I was the oh, DJ. Oh, that's cool. Or what actually happened, I think, was a teacher who knew me was just like, hey, Russ, I need... He was like, what kind of music would old people dance to? So I brought in all of my swing music oh. and old standards. Wait, and old like jazz. old swing or like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy? No, like old swing. Good, good. Like Glenn yeah. Miller. Glenn Miller, Benny Goodman. And this fabulous orchestra. Oh, fabulous. So, yeah. So that's what I brought. But yeah, so that happened in high school, and now it's happening on television in a prison. Well, it's a little different, but yeah. A little different. Yeah. It's a live band. It's not a prom. It's not just senior citizens. Sure. It's the same in no way. It's a false analogy. Great. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when fish swim. <laughs> it's like Hugh Grant. Yeah. So yes, Jamie and Paul dance at this dance. Ugh. And Jamie realized it's the first time they've ever danced together, and Paul is not good at it. And he's very good at not being good at it. Yes. It's It's wonderful. a really sweet moment. Yeah. Oh. And when she smiles, and he's like, I haven't seen you, that's the first time I've seen a smile on your face in ages. Yeah. Oh. And also, so right before the dance, Ira comes over, and he's excited to play the wedding, and he started making right. like a little set list, and she's yep. resisting. He wants to play yeah. the hokey pokey and stuff. Right. And uh, then she sort of just caves, and it's a little mysterious. I kind of liked it. You know, I didn't even give it a second thought. I just thought of it as just like, you have to pick your battles, and... Yeah, you know, no, that's what it is, I think, yeah. Yeah, because Jamie... The show's for, almost over, so... Yeah, but also, like, she's been doing that throughout the episode, kind of. She's uh -huh. acquiesced to Sylvia a lot about different uh, orders. Yeah, she came clean on the invitations have. immediately, yep. which surprised me. You thought that there would be more well, ducking and covering? So everyone, when they went to get the, you know, they convinced the mailman to get the invitations out of the mailbox and give them back to them so they could remail them, and they take them home, and then Sylvia comes over right, right after they get home. I would have thought there'd be a mad dash to hide those so that she wouldn't see. Because that's the whole reason they right. got them in the first place. 
Right. And they, you know, yes. there wasn't. But instead, yeah, Sylvie just finds them, and yeah. then Jamie comes clean. Yeah, no, you're right. She's been picking her battles. Yeah, which I'm sure you have to do when it comes to planning your wedding. Oh, yeah, especially with these families. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, they dance. Yeah. And Paul has a great joke about how, what does he say? He says, you know, if we kill our families, we could spend our first anniversary here. Yeah. <laughs> that is very nice. It's pretty fun. And I think that's how the episode goes out, except for having the words scrawled at the bottom, to be continued. Love those. Miss those. Oh, boy. What if they did so, that at the end of every narrative-driven hour-long drama on TV now? Just to be... Guys, like, like, what if every Breaking Bad end. ended with <laughs> to be continued? I would like that a lot. Or The Wire. <laughs> I have a sweepstakes. What you got? Well, when Sylvia first calls to tell them that she invited a family she met on the street... Named the Wolves. Yes. Not Met, old friends or whatever that she bumped into. Paul hangs up and he says, that was my mom. Mm -hmm. Here, listen to it. All right. All right. Bye. That was my mom. <laughs> That's definitely an impression. I did not think so. You just thought he picked a weird way to say it? Yes. I just think it was just like a frustrated, silly, end of a person's rope kind of way of uh, I don't I, I know. Let us know. I Is that an impression, folks? I don't remember that line, but it sort of sounded like he was trying to do another graduate riff. Didn't it sound a little like a young Dustin Hoffman? I mean, what you just did sounds almost like Rain Man, but... Yes, that's what led me to the graduate. It I don't think he's doing Rain Man. That'd be rude. Yes. <laughs> and also, not analogous. Uh, <laughs> That's how he says it, though, like Rain Man. I mean, I guess you're guess right. Guess who played Rain Man? Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Guess who played yeah. The Graduate? Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, John, I know. That's why I thought of Rain Man. I didn't even I consciously know. bring Dustin Hoffman up at the beginning of this podcast. He just came up. Wow. Here we are. Yeah. We got Dustin Hoffman on the brain. Yeah. Hoffman's razor. <laughs> uh, don't go near it. Do not. Folks, holy moly, we've made it to the end of another episode. Can y'all believe it? Thank you all so much for listening. We have a website. Yeah, we do. Check it out. Madaboutyoupod.com. Bingo. Go there. Leave comments. Yeah, you can comment all of our back episodes. on the episodes. Yeah. Isn't that something? I think you could just leave a comment, and then the yeah. whole internet will see it. Doesn't that sound terrific? Yeah. So make sure you're, you're properly using your uh, apostrophes and everything, mm -hmm. you know, your caps, your uppercase, lowercase. Yeah, you don't want to look like a silly person yeah. on the internet. Yeah, who knows? You might meet the love of your life in the comments <laughs> section of our website. You might. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. We got a diction meme. Yep. Which is a glossary for the podcast. So if you have any ideas for entries, send them our way. Yeah. What words, what phrases do we use on this show that people need to be clued in on? Webster needed a hand in his, and I'm sure we will in ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also, we have a little shop. Shop. I put a few links because people have had some trouble watching the show. Right. So just for once and for all, you can go under the shop. There's a link to the full series from Amazon. Click it. Buy it. It's depressingly cheap. It makes it, me sad it's how so expensive this show absurd. is. It's so absurd. It's like $24 now for everything. 
it's like the movie pass of DVDs. It's so inexpensive, it can't be financially responsible. Right. It's becoming close to what like a ninth grader would charge if he bought the DVDs himself, ripped them himself, and sold them <laughs> yeah. to his neighbors. Yeah. It's all profit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can do it. It's easy. It's cheap. I highly recommend it. It's very fun watching the DVDs. Yeah, and reliving the show. Us. Also, you can uh, email us madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at madaboutyoupod. You can Facebook us madaboutyoupod. We're madaboutyoupod everywhere. Also, we didn't say this on the last one because I don't think it was official yet. We're on Spotify. Yes, we are. Now we're officially we're everywhere. everywhere. Spotify, we're everywhere. Twitcher, or what, what's it called? Stitcher. Stitcher. Twitcher's that video game, Twitch. We're not on Twitch. That's where kids play video games and tape it and talk. You know what I'm talking about, I'm, Russ? Nope, I don't. Get with the program. Okay. <laughs> Once you have kids of your own, you'll understand. I'm sure you're right, but not until. No. Yeah, we're everywhere, so get at us. We love it. Yeah, we love it. It means a lot to us. It's really. It um, really does. It's really great hearing from you folks. And um, oh. it's great when you spread the word and rate and review on yeah. uh, Apple Podcasts. Bingo. Because that way more people will talk to us and to you. In 100% seriousness, there are moments wherein somebody... A listener will write a question or make a comment, and then another person, another listener, will comment back. And those are uh, really special moments to see. Yeah, that's it's, fun. Uh, it makes our day. It makes me really happy to, when that happens. Yeah. So chat at us. Talk to us. We love hearing from you, and we love getting back to you. So do that. And <laughs> what's more, everybody, we've got a theme song that goes like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. It sounds great this week. <laughs> also, <Yeah. laughs> we've we've got a logo, uh, which looks spectacular. And it was designed and created by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. -E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound is mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Thanks, Vuk. John, part two, two weeks from now. Is it a date? Yeah. Should I bring the Lyle Lovett hair, or are you going to? I, uh, sadly, neither one of us, I'd say, is equipped at this point to it's, uh, even begin to I, venture down that road. I regret making this offer immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll just talk instead. How about okay, that? yeah. Great. Rise, guys, rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Mad About Mad About You. I am Russ Fader. And I'm Jonathan Marbley. And... and... This, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.